if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority. Rob Walgate filling in for Bob on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Andrew, one hour in the books. It was a really good hour. Uh, it was a fun hour. Haven't spilled any coffee anywhere yet. Haven't broken. Uh, give me time. We, well, I'm sure we'll break something. Uh, appreciate the time of Dr. Carson, uh, Senate President Obhoff joining us. In the first hour, we, we will be joined in hour number two by David Zanotti, CEO and president of the American Policy Roundtable, also known as my boss. So i um, going to bring the boss on. He's going to bring an area of expertise when it comes to different items that are awaiting us and lying ahead, one of those being the Senate Judiciary Committee, the hearings that are taking place. As we speak, um, they, they, we heard opening statements on Monday. We heard lectures yesterday. Some people actually asked questions, but some people lectured and used it as a way to politicize uh, the issues of the day. And today we'll hear some more lecturing and maybe another question or two for Judge Barrett, who I thought was um, calm, collected, reserved. If I was her... In 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 those uh, question and answer segment, when then it started from the beginning, when Senator Feinstein asked her and was trying to tie her down on a position in regards to Roe v. Wade, because that is what the left focuses on. That's what they talk about. That's what they're distracted by. If I was Judge Barrett, I think I would have given the same answer that Joe Biden gives on the campaign trail. Joe Biden says, uh, vote for me and you'll find out of my stance on court packing. If I was Judge Barrett when asked about the life issue, I would, I mean, I know she can't be a smart aleck the way I would be, but I would have said, put me on the bench. You'll find out. I'll tell you after the fact. I, I, I think that's how I would have responded. But I think all of this highlights, and this is what we're going to dive into with Dave Zanotti, all of this highlights the fact that as a country we have made a mistake that we wait around every June for nine people in black robes to tell us what the law is. That's not how this system of government was founded. That wasn't the intent of it. 
Let's take a look at the Constitution. Let's look at Article 1, the Congress. Let's look at Article 2, the executive branch. Then we're going to get to Article 3 in the courts. The thought, a lot of people have this misconception that there's going to be three equal branches of government. Well, there's checks and balances and some accountability there, but the thought that all three would be equal that, that, that's not the role of it. The Congress, Article One's going to be where the power comes from. That's why it says we the people. We the people put those people there. They're the ones to do it. The thought that the courts would be the ones to tell us what the law is, and I think that's what makes me cringe in so much of the question and answer segment, especially when you get to, I mean, we had to listen to Senator Durbin yesterday give us lectures to blame Indiana it's Indiana's fault for the gun violence in Chicago, number one. And number two, he was talking about how Roe should be settled law of the land, but then talking about how Citizens United should be overturned. So, And he wanted commitments on both of those and where Judge Barrett stood on those. And the thought of Citizens United, for those that don't know, take a look online of what Citizens United is. Basically, it boils down to free speech. Do you have the ability, do you have the right to spend your own money to have an opinion that you want to have? Do we still have free speech in this country when it comes to that, or can they limit? And and that's what Senator Whitehouse kept kept referring to, and he, he was showing these charts and trying to show, and he kept referring to dark money moving here and, and doing this. Well, how come he didn't show a chart from all the money that was used to oppose the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, maybe because it came from people that he agrees with. So it's okay if they spend money. It's okay. It, the hypocrisy of it all just just makes me shake my head and, and, and it baffles me. But it is something we're going to talk about. It's something that, that we are going to dive into. We're going to examine some of the questions that were raised. But again, when we talk about Senator Whitehouse, I believe in his 30 minutes that he was allocated, I don't think he asked one question of Judge Barrett. I don't think he asked one. And again, uh, she was prepared and ready. Now, she had far fewer notes than I would have. She had nothing. Although, those are the memes that are winning the Internet. Those are the memes when they show. She held up that blank piece of paper. I believe it just said the United States Senate on the top. And everyone now has created um, their own meme of her holding... Uh, stuff up. I know some even created one of predicting the Brown Steelers score for this Sunday. Uh, we won't get in and talk about that. But when we come back after the break, we're going to be joined by the president and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, Dave Zanotti, and we're going to take a we're going to take a deeper look at the the Senate Judiciary Committee and the process that goes in to confirming the advise and consent, if you will of confirming a new justice of the Supreme Court. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer before the break, we were talking about the confirmation process for new justices on the United States Supreme Court. And joining us now to talk about that 
is the president and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. As I mentioned before, my boss, Dave Zanotti. Good morning, Dave. Hi, Rob. How are you doing this morning? Uh, we're having a lot of fun. Um, I haven't. I, I, I spilled a little bit of coffee, but nothing to ruin a microphone or a board or anything like that. So we're okay. You work in long shifts. We were together just uh, in front of the microphone last night doing a policy briefing for the nation on the election, and now you're right back at it. Bob France this morning, so I figured somebody needed to come in and bail you out, hold your arms up a little bit there, man. You've been putting in a lot of hours. Definitely. Plus on top of that, you're just running I voters. That national website <laughs> that NPR said a few years ago was one of the top five sites in America on election information because it actually works when you turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it needs to work for another, uh, how many, 20-some days. So they're all running together at this point, but... It's exciting and it's fun and um and on top of that we have the Senate that is in the process of advising and consenting um a new the possibility of a new justice on the Supreme Court and you and I were talking last night um I could sense is it fair to say I could sense the frustration I saw in you when when it came to uh the grandstanding that was being done by the senators on the committee when I think about uh, how our federal republic began and the order and placement of starting up the Constitution once it was signed and ratified and having to elect a Congress and then a president and finally seat the Supreme Court and how George Washington nominated six people who were immediately ratified. Uh, it was just step one, step two, step three. And, and I look at the shenanigans and the circus that political factions and partisanship has turned to and and how the United States Supreme Court is under the constant attack of being corrupted by factions and taken over by party interests. It, it, it's it's treacherous and, and it's it's tragic. The the notion that you would put up pictures of individuals in a Senate confirmation hearing and then attempt to bait a nominee to engage you in the specific stories or narratives of individual cases in regards to individual circumstances and potential damages, as if, as if you were about to go into a civil lawsuit and make your case on behalf of, of one party versus the other, as if the United States Supreme Court is a trial court that, that deals with any issue that seems to be an injustice in the world, is such a tragic misreading of our Constitution and the purpose of the federal bench, it makes me very sad for our country that people in the Club of 100, the richest, most expensive jobs in American government, the United States Senate, would trash the Constitution with, with such disregard in regards to its original intent. It, it, it tells us that we're putting the wrong people in the United States Senate. Well, two things that you mentioned in in those statements um one i don't think a lot of listeners realize and understand i know i didn't until i went back and did the research but you hit on it there with washington the first supreme court had six justices had six and what's the first thought that comes to mind with that number there's the uh, gee, that could be a tie vote you could have a tie how how did how did that work back in the day? How were they? How did they settle on it? I mean that that baffles me to think about an even number. It was very clear that the understanding in regards to conflicts 
uh, cases that involve serious conflicts was that if the Supreme Court couldn't resolve it, it would go back to the lower courts because the Supreme Court was not the ultimate arbiter over every conflict. That wasn't the purpose of the court. The Supreme Court is sits atop a federal bench. It's not a trial court. Right. The trial court is where you go and present evidence. The Supreme Court is where you go to hear an appeal where the parties have been unable to resolve the conflict based on process or based on a constitutional thread that seems to be snagged or a mistake that was made in the lower courts. This is, this is a different form of court. This isn't like television. When you go before the Supreme Court, you don't pre- present evidence in regards to something you're bringing in and witnesses for the very first time. And that's what you do in a trial court. The Supreme Court is the ultimate appellate court. Now, there are places where the Constitution grants the Supreme Court original jurisdiction in very limited places. That's a different situation, like matters over treaties and, and foreign dignitaries and stuff like that. There's a couple of unique places where there is jurisdiction. You can read that specifically in the Constitution. But by and large, it is to be an appellate court with limited power and the Congress of the United States, from constitutional language and authority forward, has the power to decide how large or small the court is and to limit that court's jurisdiction as well. The entire federal bench is to be limited and controlled and accountable to the Congress. As we were watching the committee yesterday, my wife and I, um, one of the things that frustrated us and that we talked about is you have a nominee that is going off no notes, that is going from memory the best she can, and engaging, but she is being asked questions and many times being lectured by senators who are reading things that their staff wrote for them. And to see them stumble and bumble over these words they're trying to read, it was just infuriating to know that this was it, it was gamesmanship and the courts were never intended to be part of the political process, and that's what we've allowed it to become in this country. Well, it's clear that what the Senate Democrats are attempting to do is to trap uh, this judge in the hope that she will make a mistake. Uh, they don't have anything on her. Um, and now, they had something on Judge Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, and they had had it, they had it in their possession for months in advance. See, when Donald Trump put up his list, he invited the other side to start the opposition research, and they were ready for Kavanaugh. Now, they've known that Amy Coney Barrett is the next choice on that list, but she was second to Kavanaugh. And now the Trump administration looks like geniuses for holding the Barrett nomination uh, in the hope of using her uh, nomination as the replacement nomination for the late Justice Ginsburg. Now it looks like a genius move, but of course, you don't know you're, if you're going to have that opportunity. Now it looks in hindsight 2020 genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the time, they chose Kavanaugh. But I'm not aware that they knew that the goods were already held on Kavanaugh, that they could turn it into circus. But if the Democrats had something on Barrett, they'd have it out by now. Now they're just hunting for it. So they're going to ask her every ridiculous question they can until Lindsey Graham tells them <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and I'm going to editorialize for a moment. I guess Bob hands the mic over to me, so I have that ability at some point in some time. But it amazes me the focus that the left has, the focus that the Democrats are asking, are is so, I guess, focused, again, to use that word, on Roe. And they are always claiming they are the party of science. They are the party of technology. When if you rewind the tape back to 1973, if we had the science and the technology that we have today, 
I don't believe there's any chance whatsoever that Roe is decided in the way that it was on the Supreme Court in 1973 when we can look inside the womb in 4D in essence. I mean, I mean, the party of science chooses to ignore science. Well, Roe is a complicated decision. That, that point that you make is very accurate. Is that it's, a, it's a decision based on medical technology, which is not the court's expertise. It's also a question of moral authority because Planned Parenthood and others will constantly turn it into a question of who shall decide. And that's the issue of moral authority. But there's also the role of unintended consequences. If we had told people in 1973 that the decision of Roe v. Wade would unfold to mean that in America you could have nine months of abortion for any reason, a child in the womb could be destroyed for any reason whatsoever for nine months, and now even at the point of birth, no one would have ever wanted that decision uh, to, to be made. But now, in hindsight, you realize this was a tragic mistake on multiple levels. And on top of that, it was very poorly written from the fourth perspective. And that was that the United States Supreme Court, using sociological law, that constitutional law, created a right, which is something no judge, no court could ever honestly do in the American system of government. But the Supreme Court did it. And there would be never any other pre-requirement for a justice to sit on the court. I think I think looking back at some of the things that were done years and years ago during um, the Senate Judiciary Committee, I mean, to think those would have, I mean, it, it just amazed me the questions that are asked. Some people say, I know, I know the producer of the public square, Alan C. Duncan, thinks that Amy Coney Barrett should have done like Justice Scalia and smoked a pipe during the hearing yesterday. I'm not sure that would have went over well um, in the district. I think laws have changed since then in the smoking indoors. Um, but when we come back after the break, can you hold with me through the break, Dave? Sure. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk with the listeners um, about something that's happening around the country. It's something not a lot of folks are talking about. It has to do with November 3rd and the possibility that uh, – November 3rd may not end the way that people would like it to end. What do we mean by that? We'll be back after the break on the Bob France Authority, AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on 1820, The Answer. Still 1824. I'm looking at numbers. I'm hitting things for AM 1420. The answer. I, I can't multitask. I'm trying to hit buttons. I didn't drop Dave on the call, which is a good thing, but I'm saying the wrong numbers. You can't even get to 1820 on the dot. We're, Dave, we're inventing new things today here in studio. Well, that's right. That... You're thinking back to history now. Pretty soon we're going to be talking about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> no no doubt. Well, we teased a little of November 3rd and maybe what not what people are going to expect. And I think they might have been thinking, well, you're going to talk about winners and losers. I, we're not getting that when we talk about November 3rd. What You and I did a policy briefing last evening. We did it on YouTube. People can find it if they go to YouTube and look for the American Policy Roundtable channel. And we discussed November 3rd. And we discussed what lies ahead and what, what I, I guess, what are your thoughts when it comes to November 3rd? Well, the premise of the policy briefing wasn't just uh, to get out there and uh, be looked at or uh, have, a, have a platform 
have people listening to us because as a policy organization that's been around for four years, we try not to to, to talk unless we have something to say that has a significant relevance in regards to people's lives and the life of the Republic. Um, so if this election was going to go along just fine, regardless of who was going to win or lose, we wouldn't be holding something as serious as this and then asking people to review it. But the policy briefing is based upon quite a bit of research we've done in regards to the law of how a president is elected, particularly if we have what's called in federal law a non-qualified election. We have a situation where the ticket for the president, vice president, is not qualified because the votes in the states are not completed. The counting is not finished. And the Electoral College count from each state is not certified to the Congress in time for that uh, vote to be opened on January 6th and read and tallied. What happens if they're still counting votes? So we asked ourselves that question. We went through all the legal realities of it. There are two constitutional amendments and a federal statute that apply to this. And so we put together our best theories and we vetted it out with people we've worked with in the legal community for years, working on cases all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, people with expertise particularly in the field of election law, and discovered that, yeah, there is a scenario where we could end up in a situation where we would have to have an acting president of the United States because we could not have an elected president simply because the votes will not all be counted. The reason for that, Rob, is simply because there are so many mail-in votes which take so much longer to process, and we've never seen this kind of volume before. It's an unintended consequence of the actions of governors regarding COVID-19, and they're, in many cases, they're fear-mongering. They put people in a position where they're scared to death to vote, and so now we've created a process to try to facilitate that, but we haven't done the necessary funding and basically moving around the factory of how we count these votes to make it happen so that we've got a full count on election night. In fact, uh, Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State there in Ohio, recently stated that uh, it would take Ohio up to three weeks or maybe longer to process all of the data because they have twice the amount of votes uh, by mail in 2020 that they had in 2016. And we appreciate Frank LaRose's honesty. Uh, because it confirms everything that we've been doing on the research behind the scenes, and now other major uh, news sources like Fox News and yesterday the New York Times broke the story that we broke two weeks ago. Well, You're not going to know on election night. You're it, probably not going to know for several weeks. Well, it's a good thing Americans have a lot of patience and are big into delayed gratification, that we don't need things right away. <laughs> um, so it may take a few weeks. You're right, Frank. Secretary of State Frank LaRose said that. Um, the Fox News regarding the time frame, and that's in a state, Dave, in Ohio, where they are permitted to open the envelopes and start the process. They can't do the counting, they can't do the tabulating, but they can get everything ready. In swing states such as Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, they can't even open the envelopes that absentee ballots are sent in until Election Day. They can't even open the envelopes and begin the process, number one. And number two, we have no idea how many are going to come in, and based on the people that requested an absentee, and then they change their mind and go vote in person, so you have to double-check and triple-check, and there's going to be provisional ballots. So the thought of us having a declared winner on November 3rd, I think we met, We probably should be looking closer to December 3rd, and not only are we talking about the presidency and electoral college votes, but wouldn't this trickle down to 
U.S. House races, U.S. Senate races. This could impact everything. Well, it could impact everything. And we're not suggesting that we're doomed to chaos because the structures are in place. So, for example, again, in the state of Ohio, uh, Frank LaRose and his team uh, started working on this several months ago, and they have uh, expended significant millions of dollars, uh, some of it from the COVID provision funds, uh, that they have been uh, moving pieces and parts uh, that's federal money. They've been moving in pieces and parts to try to get ready for this. It's like if you've got a small manufacturing company. And good news is we just doubled the size of all of our business from last year. Here's the order. Okay, that's the good news. Bad news is how do we get it out the back door in time to keep the order? Right? So it's, an, it's like an, uh, an equation in algebra. What you do on one side alters what happens on the other side of that equal sign. So we've got work to do. Ohio is, is, is working on it pretty uh, fast and, and, and hard. But other states don't even have the legislative provision to make a change. And so we've yeah. got to understand, it's not, we're not doomed to chaos. It's not like we can't have a president. But we could actually reach the threshold of having to have an acting president under constitutional provision. And, and those constitutional provisions come in form of the 12th Amendment, the 20th Amendment, and I encourage the listeners to go take a look at that. It, it just shows... Um, the ability to look forward of the founders, of people in previous generations, um, because not all that was done by the founders, obviously, uh, when you're looking at the 20th Amendment. Uh, but but they were able to have the sight to look ahead to say, hey, we could run into a big problem. We need to be prepared for anything because anything is possible. Well, and what would that acting president look like? Well, that's a, a whole caveat that we cover uh, on the policy briefing because people automatically assume it would be the line of succession, which is found in the United States Code Section 3, where Congress in 1947 said, look, if we lose a president and a vice president, uh, if they die, who becomes our president? Of course, then there's the Speaker of the House, and then the line of succession goes down from there, as determined by Congress. However, that's a statute. We've never been in a position where we couldn't certify state votes to have an electoral college count. And that brings the 20th Amendment into play. Uh, and the fundamental authority for selecting this president, next, an acting president, would be with the Congress. And they're not obligated to honor that 1947 law. They can change it to give it to the Congress. That's what they do. They're the lawmaking body. So yeah. it's clearly important that we get this right and that people change their expectations because it would be tragic for everyone to be thinking you're going to know uh, November 3rd or the morning of the 4th, who won? You may have a lot of speculation. There's going to be a lot of votes left to be counted. Well, when I read those amendments, and, and the 20th Amendment does say Congress will be in charge, and you kind of scratch your head and say, well, the House or Senate, and, you know, it, it doesn't specify. It says Congress. And so I guess we should say it's a good thing they get along so well and they never disagree on anything because we know it'll be a smooth process then? about our republic is we survive these things because our republic is built so well. Now, it's not built perfectly. That's why we have an amendment process, and it certainly isn't executed by perfect people, which brings us back to Madison. If men were angels, we'd need no laws, but men are not angels. We're only talking right now about counting the ballots. We're not even talking about what happens if people decide to get mischievous or if one side realizes they're likely to lose and now pulls the do not, in any case, concede card out 
and then begins to hold the process, hold the process, hold the process in such a way that they get another play in Congress. You could get into some pretty devious methodologies here. We're not even there yet. But unless people are aware of what might happen, then how are we going to protect ourselves? And remember that, you know, Hillary Clinton told candidate Biden do not concede under any circumstances, correct? That's what that that was her message to him. That card is on the table and understanding that if Congress were to be controlled by the Democrats and they would elect the 1947 statute in the line of succession and the votes were not counted in time, Nancy Pelosi would become the acting president until such time as we had those votes officially certified. And if you get into litigation on voter fraud and and irregularities, that could easily take uh, a year. Well, And so if, if you're a big fan of Speaker Pelosi, you're excited about the potential. And if you're not, today's not your best day. Uh, this is why we have to make sure that we understand what's at risk and we need to be prepared and we need to be observant and people say, well, does that mean we should go vote in person? Is that the bottom line? Let's go vote in person. Well, if, if you can, that's always the best way. And if you can't, you shouldn't be afraid of the mail-in ballot, but you should make sure that you get it done the safest possible way. Maybe you get the mail-in ballot and then you hand-deliver it. You have to decide what's best for you. But what's most important is that you're not caught by surprise on election night. Well, and the most important thing as well and top of voting before you vote, visit iVoters.com, obviously, because all the work that's been put in to provide people with information to make an educated decision. Um, Dave, thanks so much for joining me. One thing, one thing before I let you go, Cory Booker just texted me, and he would prefer you refer to the country as a democracy and not a republic. He was a bit offended um, by the last statement. So I just wanted to pass that along to you on the air uh, with all these. <laughs> with all these. regards to Senator Booker, and I hope he'll read federalist papers for you well i i hope he does so before he starts his line of questioning again today thanks again for joining us and people can check Thank you and i out at the com or find us on youtube the american policy roundtable page and they can see the entire briefing we did last night to break down this exact process and what lies ahead on on election day thanks a lot dave thanks rob you are listening to the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer. Sebastian Gorka here. Join me today at 3 on AM 1420 The Answer. Welcome back to the final segment. I'm Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob France this morning, and I wanted to let the listeners know the Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter is hosting its second monthly webinar tonight at 7.30 p.m. Please join Bob France and special guest presenter Dr. Sherry Tenpenny as they address the unconstitutional orders being forced upon Ohioans by Governor DeWine in response to the Chinese coronavirus. To hear Dr. Tenpenny's presentation and to participate in the wide-ranging Q&A session, please register at citizensforfreespeech.org backslash Ohio and follow the prompts after signing up. The webinar will begin at 7.30 p.m. sharp. Please register now. The website, again, is 
citizensforfreespeech.org backslash Ohio. I know they're looking forward to their listeners joining them this evening. Andrew, we've had some fun today. Yes, we did. We have, we have, we have, and we want to go and hear from you now. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Joining us is Todd in Cleveland. Good morning, Todd. Okay, did I pronounce your last name correctly? What? I'm sorry, I I lost you for a second. Robert Walgate. Did I pronounce your yeah. last name correctly? Yes. Amy Barrett is a solid choice for the Supreme Court. I would have preferred that she not be there as a choice. I don't. I don't see any any clear flaw as to why she wouldn't be a good Supreme Court justice. The process of of confirming her needs to be fixed. Seriously, needs to be fixed. I didn't. I, didn't, I wasn't good with um, Ted Cruz engaging her in a conversation about her ability to speak French or what musical instrument she played. That's not the time for things such as that. The time, and I wasn't comfortable with, comfortable is probably the wrong word. I was offended <laughs> that their senator is going in there supposed to be asking questions and they're using up their time to pontificate about their own agenda or what they assume is their constituents' agenda. They should be there interviewing that person. So that's what we need to be working on as citizens to make sure that the process is more streamlined. But if a good study of this woman, her case, her case work, her work before she became a, a jurist, and her her behavior as a private citizen, this is a solid candidate for the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, it, it is, and I understand your concern. The process has been politicized, and unfortunately both sides are using it um, in a way that I don't think it was intended to be used. Uh, they can look at previous decisions. They can look at previous writings. Both sides are trying to use quotes from um, the other side, to make their point, Judge Barrett even referenced a few quotes from uh, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg yesterday in mm-hmm. saying uh, how she would not give a preview of what would lie ahead. It's no secret when you look at past decisions, past writings, opinions of Judge Barrett, where she lies on most things. But she talks about being someone uh, that would be an originalist, that would take a look at the law, um, but just because someone is nominated by a Republican president, I don't think it's one thing to think they're going to decide one way or another. I know John Roberts sure has surprised some folks during the year. Right, and if if there was something that you should be con- that you are concerned about, yeah, you should be questioning her in a way to see if she trips up. But you shouldn't be in there pontificating. You know, I'm, this is coming from somebody who does not want Trump to be the next president. This is coming from somebody who does not want Trump to be the next president. But I'm not so against Donald Trump that I can't give credit where credit is well, due. He made a good pick. <laughs> he made a good pick, and, and, and I appreciate you being able to look at both sides and understand and recognize um, when someone is a solid choice. And it seems like uh, most people would say, you know what? She is an amazing person, and that's someone I'd want to be my neighbor. You know, that's someone I would want to be by. But I think you're right. When you look at some of the questions that were asked, I think it was embarrassing what Senator Booker asked, how he asked it about white supremacy. What it, there, There's no need for that at this process to try and make a political statement. OK, wait a minute. Now, she's got a lot of kids. That's a lot of people coming over playing on your grass when you don't want them to. You, <laughs> sure you want to be your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> That is right, well. Man. You know what? Someone said. Someone said. I th- I thought um, 
I thought someone tweeted out yesterday, and that was one of the best things they, about how she handled all the questions. And they said she has seven children. She's used to hearing crazy questions all day long. So that's how she was able to handle it. So, Todd, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for the call. Uh, we're going to go to Dan. Dan, good morning. Yes, Welcome to the Bob France Authority. Sure. Hi, how are you? This is Dan Ramada, a friend of Bob's, and I work with him with Citizens for Free Speech um, Ohio, the Ohio chapter, regarding this webinar tonight. I just need to clarify one thing to make it easy for the listeners if they would like to join us this evening at yes. 730. Yes. When you go to the Citizens for Free Speech dot org slash Ohio page, there's a, um, on the bottom, that's, that's where people register. That's for signing up for the organization. So they do need to do that. But then once they do that, they'll have to go navigate themselves back to the Ohio page and then follow the red link that takes them to the webinar sign-up. Okay. So there's two sign-ups for anybody who does this the first time, signing up for Citizens for Free Speech. But we don't have all the bugs worked out yet just with all this registration. And there's a reason we have to do this because of tech censorship. Um, it's incumbent upon people to start taking you know, creating user IDs and passwords to be able to log in to get all of our information because we try to send it out and it's just not landing where we want it. It's not getting to people. It goes to spam folders, get bounces. There's all sorts of things happening. So, but I wanted to clarify that. Please sign up, but then navigate their way back to the Ohio page and then you can click on the uh, red link to register for the webinar. Great. 7.30 this evening, correct? Correct. And they can go on and register now. Dan, thanks for the call. Thanks for clarifying. Much appreciate it. Well, Andrew, we're, we're winding down here and I just want to encourage all the listeners. And I know the listeners of Bob's show and how much they value, uh, their ability to have a say in civil government. We live in the greatest country in the world. Is it a perfect country? No, it's not. But there's a reason that people die every year trying to make it to this country. They're fighting to get in here. If you want to leave, you're well. I mean, no one's stopping people from leaving. It's not one of those. It's people are dying to try and get in. Sure, we can work a little bit harder to make it better. And that's what's great about our system of government. We all have a say. We have the ability to elect who serves in civil authority over us. I often say, do you love your neighbor? Because if you love your neighbor, then you care who serves in civil authority over your neighbor. You care who represents them. You care who's making decisions for them in the process. We've talked about flaws and and things that need corrected at the state level. We've talked about them at the federal level. I'm sure we could take a look and look at the local level as well and find things that we want changed. And the great thing about our system of government is it's everyday, ordinary citizens that can become involved and make it to serve in elected office. And when I say make it, I don't mean make it as in, oh, now I'm going to become rich, now I'm going to become wealthy. I I mean make it in the sense that you have the ability to make it to serve in civic duty, to have a voice, to have a say. There's so many things that you can make an impact on, whether it's as township trustee or as, as Dave mentioned, the most exclusive club in the world, the United States Senate. Um, that's up to all of us. Voting has begun across the country in many states. There are millions and millions of votes that have already been cast before before you vote. 
I hope that you will visit our site at iVoters.com. Again, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. We're not going to tell you how to vote. Uh, The goal is to provide information. The goal is to provide education. And the goal is to have the ability to share it with your neighbors. So many times today in the political process, we think we can change people's minds by screaming at them, by calling them names. Uh, I always compare it to grocery shopping. If I shop at Giant Eagle and my neighbor shops at Bueller's, if I want them to shop at Bueller's, I don't or shop where I shop. I don't call them an idiot. I don't say, hey, I need you to shop where I shop. You're so stupid for wasting money. No, I want to educate. I want to teach. And that's what we try and do at iVoters.com. That's what we try and do at the public square, um, publicsquare.com. Thank you to Bob for giving me the opportunity to sit in today to talk about these things. Thank you to Dr. Carson, to Senate President Obhoff, to Dave Zanotti for joining me. And remember, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. You're listening to AM 1420, The Answer, The Bob France Authority. Enjoy the silence. 